Hey there, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Have you ever had feelings that you didn't know how to express to God or to someone else? We've got good news. There's a whole book of the Bible that gives language to the deepest, rawest feelings that we have, and it's the book of Psalms. The rest of the Bible is God's words to you. The Psalms are your words to God. We pray that this message blesses you today. And if you're looking for more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. So this morning we're going to be in Psalms chapter 27. And um, if you're a guest with us today, we're looking through the Psalms this fall, trying to really improve our prayer life. And and, um, the reason for that is because the Psalms give expression to the things that we go through. And sometimes we lack the words to be able to say what we're really experiencing and thinking. And the Psalms can give us those words. And one of the things when you're reading the Psalms that's helpful is to try to do the best you can to, like, Put the psalm in its context to picture maybe what was going on. Because, you know, David, who wrote a number of the psalms, he didn't write them all, but wrote a number of them, you know, like, like he lived a real life. And he wasn't just writing these words because they sounded pretty. You know, he, he's literally in the middle of something. And he's expressing that to God. And that's what the psalms really teach us how to do, is how to direct our pain, direct our, our junk, direct our, our stuff to God in prayer. And so that's one of the reasons why Psalms are so helpful. So this morning we look at Psalms chapter 27, and it's a Psalm about waiting. Anybody know what it's like to have to wait? And I've entitled the Psalm, When Forced to Wait, because nobody chooses to wait. Nobody just, you know, on their own volition, picks the longest line at the grocery store. Like, that just doesn't happen. You don't go to Six Flags. You don't go to, to, uh, to Disney World to wait in the lines. Like, that's not the reason why you go there. And you know, have you ever heard anybody say, hey, why did you go to Disney World? Oh, I thought it would be a fun idea. You know, to spend a hundred bucks and work on my sunburn while I waited in line. I just thought that'd be a great time. It sounded like a good time. Said nobody ever. In fact, if you think about it, Disney World and places like that, they've actually monetized our impatience. Do you want to get to the front of the line? You can pay extra for that. See? Right? Isn't it great? They figured out uh, how to get us. So nobody chooses to wait. I found this great story this week that I thought was super cool. It happened recently on an American Airlines flight. Maybe you've heard about Phil. I can't remember his last name. But he was on this American Airlines flight from Oklahoma City to Charlotte. And the flight was supposed to take off at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. And it delayed and it delayed. And it was delayed for 18 hours. It did not take off until midnight later that night, right? And so Phil, he's waiting for his flight. And by the time he gets on the flight, he sits down and he realizes he's the only one on the plane. He's literally the only passenger who chose to wait for his flight. 
Now you think about that, like his experience versus everybody else's experience, because you know how that goes. If you've flown at all, it is stressful. People, you can just imagine the people that are mad and they're on their phones and they're pounding the counter and the poor person at the ticket counter is trying to be, you know, very nice and uh, you know, accommodating to all the mad passengers, helping them to find their flight. You know how that goes. It's super stressful. And meanwhile, what's Phil doing? Right? He's kicking back at the La Quinta, chewing on the meal voucher, waiting for the flight to take off. Two totally very different experiences. Actually, uh, here's a picture of Phil. There you go. He, um, he, he talks about it. He, he, you can see his videos online. It's kind of fun. He's, they actually had fun with it because he's the only f- passenger there. So, you know, when they do the, the pre-flight stuff, uh, every, and please put on your seatbelts, Phil. And if we're in the, you know, they kept calling him out. It was just, they, they had a good time. And he said, we all became friends and they still text each other to this day and that kind of thing because he was the only passenger with the flight crew flying from Oklahoma <laughs> to Charlotte. So I think, how cool is that? But then I also think, you know, uh, who would you be? Would you have been Phil or would you have been one of the other passengers on that plane. Can I be honest? I would have been one of the other passengers on that plane. I don't know that I would have sat there for 18 hours and waited for that flight to take off. How about you? See, so what do you do when you're forced to wait? Can I actually talk to God about that? Can I tell God how terribly annoyed I am at having to wait. How do I express that? And thankfully, we have Psalms 27, written by David. Like I said, so kind of imagine, if you will, and it does help when you're reading the Psalms to imagine the context because it helps it to come alive a little bit more. David is someone who knew about waiting. He's, he's a shepherd boy. And at the age of 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there, he's anointed as the king of Israel. He never wanted to be king. He didn't wake up that day expecting to be king. He's anointed the king at this age. There's a problem, though. Israel already had a king. And that king wasn't really very happy about David's rise to power, as you can imagine. And so that king, King Saul, puts a hit out on David And now David spends the next 13 to 15 years literally running for his life, hiding in caves, in the shadows, an outcast, a fugitive. You don't think that in the course of that time, as David's waiting, that David didn't have a few conversations with God about this whole thing. You know, God, I did not want to be king. I didn't look for it. And, you know, if you're going to anoint me king, maybe you might want to wait for Saul to die first. That would have been a great idea. And he didn't, right? So here's David in this waiting period. He's expressing this angst to God. And that's kind of the context that I picture Psalms 27 being written in. That David is in one of these wrestling moments. Death is close at hand. If he gets caught, he's toast. And he's waiting, wondering, when is When are God's promises going to finally happen here in my life? Because right now, it sure doesn't look like anything's happening. 
And so here's what David says, Psalms 27. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, against, uh, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see David struggling at all in his weight. Let's just walk through this. Verse one, he starts off pretty confident, doesn't he? God, you got this. The Lord's my light and my salvation. I'm not afraid of nothing. So David's all over it as he begins. And then you look at what David's waiting up against. You know, it's hard enough to wait, but then waiting under duress. Would you agree that that would be, that would be just agonizing? And here's David. Look at verse 3. He has an army coming against him. He has war breaking out against him. He has wicked advancing against him. I mean, that's a bad day. So not only is he forced to wait, but now he's got enemies coming after him, gunning for him. So that really makes it extra painful. And what does David do? He does the one thing that he can do. Okay, Lord, you're the one I'm seeking. I'm just going to go. You know what, God? What would be great right now would be this. I could just dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That, that would be fantastic. I could just stay right there and gaze on the beauty of your holiness. And then, and then you know what? When the day of trouble comes, you'll just keep me safe right there, he says in verse 5. And you'll hide me in the shelter of your sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. He's referencing the Holy of Holies there, the most sacred part of the temple. The part of the temple where God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence was said to dwell right there. 
And it was the one place that not even, that nobody went into. Only the high priest went in one time a year. And so not even David would technically be allowed to go in there. You understand? But he's thinking to himself, you know, if I could just get in there, then I would be safe. I could celebrate and just worship. Then, then none of those enemies are going to come at me. Everything will be, everything will be okay. This is David's heart. Do you hear him just, just processing this? Lord, the one thing I want is just to, I'll just go there and hide out. Can I just check out of all this mess for a while? Have you ever felt that way? I have. And then David takes his cry to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful. Answer me. So I'm going to seek his face because that's what I'm doing. And then look at verse 9. Don't hide your face. I'm going to seek your face. Don't hide your face. Don't turn me away in anger. You've been my helper before. Don't reject me. Okay. When you're, when you're uh, waiting like this, have you ever experienced this waffling? When, you know, like usually if it's a short wait, no problem. If it's a short wait, I'm all over verse one. God's got this. You're my salvation. Fantastic. The longer the wait, the more I waffle. Is that not your experience? Okay, so now I'm, now I'm like, okay, God, I know you got this. Mm, maybe you don't. Okay, God, <laughs> I'm coming out. I want to see your face. Why can't I see your face? God, why can't I even feel your presence in this thing? Wh where are you, God? I, th I thought like we were a thing. And now you're not here. I'm alone. Oh, we feel so alone when we're in this, this awkward space waiting for something to happen, for God to come through on our behalf. Why is it sometimes that God feels so far away when I, I need him the most? Can we just, can I, is it okay to say that in church? Like, I know we're supposed to be happy and upbeat and stuff, but is that your experience too? Like, when I've needed God the most, he's felt the farthest away. And I don't know that there's a straight answer for that, except that I find it strangely comforting to know that David went through it too. He hears David, the man after God's own heart, one of the largest characters in the whole Bible. And he himself experienced that waffling, experienced that seeking after the face of God. I can't see the face of God. Why does it feel like you're hiding from me? Why, why does it feel like you're angry with me? He, he himself has experienced that. And so I think, well, I don't like it, but I guess I'm in good company. Does that make you feel a little better in a weird way? <laughs> See, this is David's experience, is it not? Essentially, David's praying this two-part prayer in, in the middle of the psalm here. God, let me see your face. God, don't hide, don't hide your face. I think it's interesting that at least David was seeking the face of God about not seeing the face of God. David's seeking God about how I can't find God. And so where else do I take that? We'll take it to God. 
See, I'm in good company with David. David's in good company with Jesus. Jesus experienced the same sort of distance, did he not? As he hung from the cross, paying for our sins, Jesus cried out, my God, my God. Some of you can finish the, front, the sentence. Why have you forsaken me? And I think, God, is there anything that God the Father could have done for God the Son to make the cross maybe a little more bearable? I think if anything the Father could have done, it would have been his presence. And so here's Jesus suspended in that awful moment alone, feeling the agony. He's waiting for the fulfillment of salvation. He, he's in the middle of paying that price for you and for me. He's waiting, and he's missing the presence of his Father, right? I think waiting is so hard sometimes because it's out of my control. You know, I can't make the traffic go any faster when I'm stuck in traffic. I can't make the phone call come any sooner when I'm waiting for that important phone call and it's not coming. I can't, right? It's out of my control. And there's part of that, I think, that makes the waiting feel worse sometimes. I actually, in my study this week, I came across a little article uh, in a psychology magazine on the psychology of waiting. Um, smart people have actually studied this. So they were talking about like what makes, uh, what makes time drag on and what makes time go a little faster for us. Now, obviously, 24 hours is 24 hours when you're waiting, but there is a way to make the time feel like it goes faster, amen? So they had a couple of things. Number one, that they, a couple of observations. Number one, unoccupied time feels longer than occupied time. So you gotta give people something to do while they're waiting. And this is why they put uh, mirrors in front of elevators. That's what the article said. Because people like to, people like to look at themselves and so, you know, you're waiting for your elevator and you, you know, kind of thing, check things out. And that makes the time go faster and there, here comes the elevator. The second thing that they said was time feels faster if you feel like you're making progress. So this is why restaurants give you a menu. Your food is not coming any sooner, right? But you have a menu in your hand and so you feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm making decisions, and I'm one step closer to getting my meal. It's, it's psychological, but it helps the, the waiting. Number three, uncertain waits feel longer than defined waits. So what they said here is like a doctor telling a patient, hey, um, the doctor, or, or the doctor's office, rather, telling the patient, I'll, the doctor will see you in 30 minutes, that is more acceptable to our minds than if they were to say the doctor will see you soon. Because for us, 30 minutes is defined. I understand it, I can wrap my mind around it. Soon is ambiguous. Soon, how soon? 
an hour soon, three hours soon, tomorrow, you know, like when soon exactly is the doctor coming. So you want to define the weight, right? It helps it to feel better. Number four, they said unexplained weights feel longer than explained ones. So if the weather is really bad, we tend to give the pizza delivery guy a little more grace versus if the weather's just fine and he's two hours late for no foreseen reason. We need to explain the reason. If you notice this in traffic, when you're stuck in traffic, you wonder, you ask yourself, why? Why, why is this stuck right here? And is it not one of the most frustrating things when you're driving to wait an hour in traffic and finally to have it start be moving and there's no reason why the traffic was stopped all that time? Like, there's no construction, there's no dead bodies. Like, why, why? Why are we, what was this for? No? You're looking at me? Okay, okay, I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like, I wanna know why I was just stuck for an hour in traffic. It's unexplained. Number five, solo weights feel longer than group weights. That it feels better if you have, for, for very, basically for the very reason, like, it occupies your time. We have other people you're talking to, you're sharing the journey with. And I literally just had this experience this week in the grocery store. I'm standing in the line, and it was a long line, and I was impatient, and I had my stuff, not much. And I noticed there's another line that looked shorter. So I was like, <laughs> scoot over there to that line. And just before I get to that line, some guy caught in front of me. And he had this massive cart of groceries, like a truckload. You ever see, how do people do that? The, like the groceries are piled in this cart. And I thought, well, that's going to take forever. So I go back to my original line. And by the time they get back to the original line, two other people got in the line. So the guy that was directly in front of me before is now three people in front of me. And he catches my eye, and I see him smirk. I was like, oh, I, the gig is up. So I just, did, I just called it out. I said, well, hey, you win some, you lose some. What do you do? I played the game and I lost the game just now. And then he laughs and he goes, oh, I do that too. That's so funny. And, and then next thing you know, the other two people between us, they join the conversation. And so now we have a whole conversation about waiting in line and playing the game and losing the game. And, and next thing you know, we've gone through and we're out in the parking lot and it's over. See, we, we waited as a group, and the wait felt a lot shorter than if we were standing there by ourselves checking our watches. Kind of interesting. But I think, I think that the bottom line of all of that is this, that there's this sense of control. Like, part of what makes my wait feel less troublesome is I've got a little bit of control. I'm holding a menu. Um, I'm, I'm, I understand it. I understand why. See, that's a little control for me. Now I can accept that. I've given a certain amount of time. Like these are all things that give me a semblance, a feeling of, of a little bit of control. But what do you do when you're waiting? You have no control. When you're like David, the enemies are closing in, war is breaking out around you, you're seeking the face of God, and it feels like God's hiding from you. And now you have no answers and no explanation. And there's no end in sight. 
and you're just waiting. What do I do with that? Well, I think we do what David did. You settle it. I don't have control. I can't fix this. So I will not try to fix the thing I can't fix. I will do the one thing that I can do, and that is David seeks the Lord. He sought the Lord. He couldn't even make God appear to him, right? He couldn't make God's presence manifest in his life, but he could seek the Lord. And that's what David did. Look at the Psalm, verse four. One thing only I ask, one thing only do I seek, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Verse six, I will sing, I will sing. Do you hear his, do you hear his decision? I will sing and make music to the Lord. Verse eight, your face, Lord, I will seek. You hear his determination? Verse 11, teach me your way. Verse 13, I remain confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait. You can almost sense he's preaching to himself. Be strong and take heart and wait. Keep seeking the Lord. Do you catch the theme? He's surrounded by his enemies, waiting for God's deliverance. Can't do anything about the enemies. Can't do anything about feeling God's presence. But the one thing he can do is to seek God. See, as I'm reading this psalm, I'm thinking this, that waiting is the war. Wouldn't you agree? Waiting is the actual war. I mean, David's surrounded by enemies and problems, but the, the hardest part, the war, the fight of this is just simply the waiting. It's easier to run around and fight something. It's easier to protest. It's, it's easier to honk my horn, tap my fingers, pace the floor. It's easier to do those sorts of things than it is to wait, is it not? And waiting, if you think about it then, is not the absence of activity. So you're not doing nothing because you're actually choosing to wait. I'm choosing to, I guess, not spin around in circles. See? So I'm, I'm actually making a decision in that moment. So that's what I do. I seek God's face in prayer. And how does David conclude? Verse 13 and 14. I love these two verses. David, you can hear him settling it in his soul. I remain confident of this. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I know that. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And you notice that it ends right there, that in a sense this psalm ends with a big question mark. It ends with a sort of a cliffhanger, if you will. Like, well, what happened next? Did God come through for David? We don't know. It's left with him waiting. Interesting. The chances are really good that you are also in exactly the same boat. You are waiting for something. Perhaps you're like David. You're under some sort of intense circumstance some intense kind of scrutiny, criticism, fire. And for you, every day is a grind. Your future, your life, it kind of hangs in the balance and you're just waiting for, this, for some decision to be made by the higher-ups that impacts your life. 
Maybe you're waiting for a rebellious child to come around. You've been praying for them for years. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse. You've been single for a long time. And you would love to find the love of your life. And you've had disappointments and hurts. And you're waiting. And your cry is, God, when? Maybe you're a young person and you say, I can't wait to get out of my parents' house. Can't wait to get my driver's license. Can't wait to graduate. Can't wait to leave this joint. But you're 14. You're waiting. What do you do? Right? Maybe you had some tests and you're waiting for the results and it's agonizing. Is it benign? Is it malignant? We don't know. And you can't make that phone ring any sooner. There's nothing you can do to make it ring sooner. And you're waiting. So what can I do when I'm in one of those situations or something like them? Well, there's one choice that you can make. I have only one choice I can make. I will either seek the Lord in this situation or I will spin in circles and pace the floor See? And I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy ways I can handle a weight. And I'm thinking, seeking the Lord is probably the healthiest thing I can do. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I don't know. There's, everything else is pretty unhealthy. There's nothing else that really seems to help it anyway. So why not actually use this weight as an opportunity to press into the Lord, right? This is what David's doing. You know, I think about it. I can't remember a time that I waited for something and then I regretted waiting. But I can think of plenty of times I jumped the gun and wished I hadn't. Any, any gun jumpers in the room with me? In fact, I think most of my regrets are over things that I probably should have or could have waited for, and I didn't. So I have a choice, like I said, I can choose anxiety, I can choose getting stressed out over this, or I can choose to use this opportunity, as David did, to seek the face of God. And apparently it's okay, not apparently, it is obviously okay for me to waffle. It's okay for me to have my bad days and my good days in the process of waiting. As long as through the course of all of that, I'm steady on seeking the face of God through it. But I'm going to have my ups and my downs, just as David did. I think, you know, Jesus waited. I take comfort in that, too, that he knows what it's like to wait. You can come and play, sweetheart. You know, the Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame, Right? How? For the joy set before him, Jesus did that. Meaning that Jesus didn't take joy in the cross. Like the cross was agonizing. It was excruciating. That's not joyful. But for the joy set before him. In other words, he was waiting. And what's Jesus waiting for? He was waiting for the day that you gave your life to him. The day that you said yes, the day that you bowed your knee and said, you know, Jesus, 
I don't understand everything there is to know about you, but I know that you're pretty amazing and I can trust you. And I believe that you're my only hope for being right with God. And so Jesus, I'm just gonna, I'm trusting you. When you made that decision, Jesus went, yes, it was worth the wait. You think I was worth the wait? I think Jesus would absolutely say, yes, you were worth the wait. And Jesus is still waiting on some of us, waiting for some of us to come to that conclusion where we say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. I'm going to trust you as my only means to be made right with God. He's waiting. So I think if Jesus knows what it's like to wait, David knew what it was like to wait. If David knew what it was like to even wait, feeling the absence of God, if Jesus knew what it was like to wait, feeling the absence of God, then I gotta think some of that's in store for Doug Rouse. And I can take comfort in that and I can keep seeking him, Lord, I'm seeking you. I don't have control over all this stuff, but I do have control over the decision I make in this moment. And my decision is I will seek the face of the Lord. That is what I will do. So I think we can redeem the waiting, can't we? Use the waiting as an opportunity to dig deep in relationship with the Lord. And maybe that's why God makes us wait sometimes, because he loves it when we seek him. Well, that about wraps it up for today. We pray that today's message encouraged you. And if you would like more information or just to contact us, go to our website at newriverchurch.org. 